Allie Kennedy went from watching her sister play at Stony Brook to becoming one of the most decorated players in Seawolves history. Named the U.S. Lacrosse Magazine Preseason Player of the Year, Kennedy and her team are out to prove that the best teams exist outside of the ACC. Currently sitting at 9-2, the Seawolves are getting ready to prove doubters wrong in the NCAA tournament beginning in a few weeks. Above all else, the Seawolves and Kennedy have always been thought of as blue-collar. But as you'll find out in this episode, Kennedy believes that's a compliment. This is your ticket inside women's lacrosse. With everything from games and stats throughout the lacrosse season to behind-the-scenes stories and interviews with coaches and players. I'm your host, Samantha Croston. Graphic designed by Kaylin Bushhorn and produced by Julia Skevel. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Allie, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. You are actually our 11th episode here on Stick Side High. I'm honestly surprised that you haven't been on it yet, but I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm actually... You know, I heard about your podcast and obviously I know your name through uh, Erica and I'm just, I'm happy to be on here and, you know, local Long Island girl. And I'm excited. And that is the truth. I have had a lot of <laughs> Long Island girls on here. It's definitely become a Long Island heavy podcast. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, I, I know that that's sort of where your beginning started. And that's kind of where I want to start with you, you know, in thinking about, you know, Sony Brook Seawolves and how you got here. I know your beginnings were in Babylon and I was reading an article reading up on you and I saw that U.S. Lacrosse Magazine um, wrote an article that said the Kennedys are from North Babylon, a blue collar town on Long Island known for producing great athletes. And this is where I want to start. I feel like Stony Brook and, and blue collar, like that mentality, it's so hand in hand. I'm always hearing those two things um, kind of align and I'm wondering what you think about that? Like is Stony Brook and North Babylon both kind of like this blue collar place? And what's the deal with that? Why do people keep on referring to it in that way? I think so. I like being referred to as blue collar, you know, um, Spelina, Coach Spelina kind of embodies that mindset and puts that in our head that like, we're people like we're girls and athletes that work for everything, like everything that we have, like we earned um, in a way. And that's not to say that other girls at other places don't earn things, but it's just a different mentality of like the grittiness, working hard. And, you know, North Babylon isn't known for lacrosse, most definitely not. I don't even know what, you know, their lacrosse record is now. Um, they've been through a handful of coaches and we're definitely not a powerhouse. So I feel like that was a little bit of a disadvantage in the recruiting process and knowing that I always had to like work maybe a little bit harder than girls who went to high school that was winning state championships. Shout out Mount Sinai. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but it was harder for me to get recognized and it definitely um, adds to, you know, the mentality of playing with the chip on your shoulder. The fact that like maybe I was under recruited maybe I did have to work a little bit harder to get where I am, but um, I'm, I'm all for embodying that blue collar mentality. And I think it's a compliment. I don't ever think that it's, you know, a diss at me. I, I like it. I would even explain, like describe to people that I think I'm blue collar as well. That's awesome. And I know you said, you know, North Babylon, not exactly known for lacrosse. And the thing I read, you actually said it's kind of a forgotten sport. Um, I'm curious what that means. Like, what were the sports that were in the way of it? And why was it forgotten about? Was it just not that popular at the time? 
Yeah, there was probably, including myself, um, two other girls who played travel lacrosse on my team. Everyone else was either just starting lacrosse or only played in high school. And I feel like, especially on Long Island, like that's kind of crazy because travel lacrosse is huge. Like now, even when we were in high school, it was big, but even now it's gotten so much bigger. But then there's not too many girls. I know Caitlin Hart on my team. Now it's Stony Brook, went to North Babylon with me. Um, that was my senior year when she was a ninth grader. But there aren't too many girls who play travel lacrosse on that team and for that high school. And I feel like that's kind of a crazy statistic. But the other sports that are in front of it are like, we have a great football program. Like when my brother was there, he won um, the Long Island Championship. Like it's a big football school, big track school. We're really good at track. Uh, basketball, we have a great basketball team. So it's just like those sports are more, I don't know what you want to say, like more in front, more always in like the public side because they do better than the lacrosse programs do, both men's and women's. Sure. Yeah. And rightfully so, you know, they're doing, they're doing better. And in that way, lacrosse was forgotten about. And I even know that you actually started playing lacrosse with the boys because there was no youth girls league at your school. Maybe tell us about that. You know, I think some people might look at that at first without knowing it's, oh, you know, that, that, that's a negative thing that sucks that there wasn't a girls team. You're like, ah, I think I'll just go try it out with the boys, kind of see what happens. You know, what was that like? And how do you think that translates on the field now? I was so young. I was in kindergarten when that happened. Um, and I know like it does translate to my game where the fact like, I don't care, I'll go on the field with anyone and play. And the fact that like, I got my start playing against boys and like I'm all for equality. Like I think that is sick. And I love that about, you know, my journey and my start. I do think that again, it's like my competitiveness because as a kindergartner, I did not care who I was going up against. And there is my one friend who I started lacrosse with. Um, she also played on the boys team with me. And after that year, I think my dad started the girls youth program and we were actually pretty good. Like we, we did well. And that group of girls was the first group, like my high school years, junior and senior year that made it to the playoffs. So I don't know if he has direct you know responsibility for our success but he definitely helped in starting that program and that team like big shout out Mr. Kennedy and you yeah. did beat me to the punch I did see that your dad is the one who started the girls team and I wanted to ask you about that I always you know I had a similar story come up actually when I interviewed Katie Hogue where all of a sudden you know you have this passion and something you want to do and your dad's like you know what Let's just start up a program, see what happens. You know, has he always been your biggest supporter when it comes to lacrosse? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, listen, love my mom. She's the best. She doesn't really know a lot about lacrosse, but she tries to help. My dad has never played lacrosse in his life. He played D3 basketball in Oneonta. Um, so he went, you know, full lacrosse train with my sister. Then it was my brother. And he was always giving us, you know, the tools to succeed. He, we have a sick gym in our basement. We have, he has all the equipment, like speed equipment and everything. Like, and I grew up thinking that going to the field at 6 a.m. Like with my siblings was normal. Like I thought that was like what everyone was doing. Like, Doesn't and, everybody do that? Right. And squat, like I was squatting 135 pounds at, in like sixth grade. 
And I'm like, no, everyone, everyone does this. It was just like embedded in me, but he, I don't know if it was him tricking me or I really just loved it that, you know, I think it really helped me out. He till this day is still giving me advice and, you know, helps me in my recovery after games and stuff and brings me to, you know, not just specialists, but like things that can help me get an edge, whether that's like a chiropractor or anything, he'll, he'll, he'll do anything to help me succeed. And, you know, that started with the program, starting the program in North Babylon. Well, you heard it here first. Allie Kennedy was squatting 135 pounds at the ripe age of 13. <laughs> How much are you squatting now, Allie? We got to know. Oh, I think we haven't done one rep maxes, but I think my, um, my strength coach said I could do 225 for one. Not bad. Not bad at all. But yeah. you know, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And you know, as far as, so your dad and, and him being one of your supporters, of course, another person who has supported you through this journey is, is Joe Spelina. And you said it before, you know, I might've been a little under recruited because I wasn't exposed to as many, maybe college coaches, um, you know, because of that success level that your high school was having, you didn't make it to those kinds of championships, but I did dig up this story that I thought was awesome about you at a high school game. It was your last high school game. Joe Spolino was there. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yes. <laughs> and he said that you got fouled eight times. And he said, I counted it. It was a game she was never going to win, but she was competing as if her life depended on it, which if you know this kid is how she approaches everything. That was awesome. So cool, I thought. And do you remember that game? Do you remember that moment? Oh, oh yeah, painfully. Like, to, I remember we were playing Sachem North at Sachem North, and I knew he was coming to this game, and I was so nervous, and it was the first round of playoffs um, my senior year. There were so many factors going into this game of, like, I knew I was going to be face guarded by Maddie Hoffer, shout out UNC. She, oh, every time we play them, she always face guarding me and she's so athletic and she is like one of the toughest face guards to get around. Um, and I knew that obviously I had to perform in order for us to win. And it had been such a crazy year with like trying to get to playoffs and big games that we had to win. And believe it or not, my senior year of high school at a varsity level, Anytime my goalie made a save, she would drop the ball in the crease and get out because she could not pass. So I would pick up the ball in the crease, like a deputy clear, like in youth levels and run the ball all the way up the field because I was the only one that could do it. So <laughs> that's when I got fouled eight times. It's like, I was just the only one who could successfully clear the ball. And then I was dependent on an offense to score all being face guarded. So it was crazy. And I don't remember the score of that game, but I remember it being brutal to the last whistle. For real. And honestly, at that point, like, did the score of that game even matter? You know, like, I think there was so much more that came from it. And it seems like that was one of those moments where Joe Spolina, you know, really realized the kind of person that you are. And so you end up going to Stony Brook. I'm sure maybe there were other teams that you were looking at, but that's the one you decided on. And good thing that you did. You know, I think it's, it's turned out awesome and been a perfect fit for you. Why I sort of want to start at the beginning of your college career is because I think 
what's interesting is you've sort of seen Stony Brook through it all. You had an older sister who went to Stony Brook, correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. And at the time that she was going to Stony Brook, that team wasn't the team they are today. This was a team that did not have, you know, it was the pre Joe Spelina era, which let's be honest, like that was a dynasty. And before that Stony Brook was a different program. I saw an article that said it would be you and, you know, one of your friends just hanging out in the stands. You're the only people there cheering this team on diehard fans while the rest of the stands are completely empty. You know, what was that like seeing your sister kind of start there and then finally being able to take those first steps and be on the team yourself? It is like complete full circle because growing up watching my sister play like I would go to every game love lacrosse was a huge fan love my sister love watching her play but the highlight of going to Stony Brook was the fact that I could do whatever I wanted to in that stadium like I could have you know Heelys those like shoes with the wheels in the bottom of them duh I would be me and my friend Barbara would Healy around the entire stadium because no one was there no one was there <laughs> No, not even, I'm not even kidding. No security guards were there. We would go in the like elevator that takes you up to VIP and stuff and just mess around the whole game because there was literally just the parents there for each team. What so a security guard for at that point? There's nothing to <laughs> police. No tickets being sold, nothing. It was like, it was a free-for-all. It was probably worse than a high school game. It was crazy because you had this gigantic stadium that is so awesome to play in, just empty. Like we'd go around collecting like the random lacrosse balls that like the men's team like lost. Like it was, it was a free for all and I loved every second of it. And it might've played into the reason why I came to Stony Brook a little bit, but um, now it's completely different. I mean, Spina says it all the time. Like he, before he was here, they were the 70th ranked team in the country. And then for his, I don't even know the timeline of like whether it was the first year or his like second year um, for it to just become a, you know, a top program in the nation is insane. And even with COVID now, we're allowed to have fans and it's still packed. Like regulation wise, like we're only allowed a certain number of people, but it's still a good amount of people to come and watch a lacrosse game. And even before COVID, like we would have the one side of the stands completely packed and I couldn't even go up after games to see my parents like without someone coming up to me and being like great game a random person I don't even know or a line of autographs that would take 20 minutes to go through like of posters of me like that little girls want me to sign it, it, it's just crazy how different it how it started and like where it is now it's actually like really humbling to be a part of both sides because it's like an honor to um watch it come first full circle like firsthand of a program that you know I admire and love so much it was it's absurd when you really think about like how quickly this team rose up and I think what's so cool and unique about your journey is again like we've said you've been there since the beginning and you know, like I said earlier, why I wanted to kind of touch on your freshman year is because that in a way was sort of the beginning, the beginnings of this turning point. 
where you, again, like individually, you know, you had 39 goals as a freshman. You guys lost in the NCAA quarter, quarterfinals to Maryland, who were the eventual champion of that year. So again, kind of makes sense. Like that's a good game to lose. But, you know, you also had teammates like Kylie O'Miller and Courtney Murphy who, who were being recognized on the national level. So it seems like a cool time to be there, you know, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh my God. Leading up to my freshman year, I remember being on Twitter and like watching all the games and being like, wow, these girls are so good. Like we're beating all these ranked teams. And not only like when I got there my freshman year, like to watch Kylie and Murph, you know, do what they did on the field, the way that they carried themselves off the field in such like a professional way. I remember being a freshman and being like, oh my God, like one day when I'm a senior, I hope like I can handle an interview as well as Kylie did. I hope that, you know, when the news is here and there's a camera that, you know, it's me getting called on and I can talk as well as Murph is because I remember being a freshman and being scared anytime I had an opportunity to do an interview. Like I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like I got so nervous. Um, And just the leadership that they both had is insane. You know, they paved such a path for me and then whoever's after me for this whole entire program Spleena included like he started this whole thing and they just they were there with him and I think it's amazing I'm I'm actually so happy that I was a part of you know their journey and both because they played together for two years so my freshman year and sophomore year watching them you know go to places that no other Stony Brook uh, women's lacrosse player has and this is where we talk about sometimes lacrosse being so much bigger than just the stats and the numbers. You know, the fact that you went from healing around this stadium, you know, 10 or so, however many years, more than that probably. And to now you being one of those people, honestly, who you admire, like what a full circle and cool experience for you to be able to have, you know, graduating from this program, no matter what happens this year on the field. But continuing on with that timeline, you know, I know that also junior year, that's when you were somewhere around there, could have been a little earlier, you can let me know, you were named a captain. I actually think it was before your junior year, right? It was after the BC game. So after our season ended, he was which, like- Which season? When you were a sophomore? Yeah, my sophomore year. Okay. What happened? He called me and Mackenzie Burns right like after you know the seniors had gone off the field and we were in the locker room he's like I'm just letting you guys know like you are our two new like acting captains so it was pretty much my like the last game of my sophomore year um to my junior year like so pretty much and that's the thing you know pretty much like you're still a sophomore at that point immediately you're getting thrown into a leadership role and I do always feel like there's those one or two people on each team that gets that honor of being a two-time captain, you know, for two full years. What did that mean to you that, that he chose you for that role? It meant so much, you know, he even talks about it too. Like my freshman year, we were, I wouldn't say enemies, but we definitely butted heads. You know, I was a stubborn kid who was so used to a team revolving around her to then being on a team full of superstars and not really needed. So I, had trouble buying into the role that he wanted me to play. But once I finally did, like it worked out really well and it is continuing to work out. So I guess he knew what he was doing a little bit, but um, coming from him, 
making me a, a captain, I was taken back. I was like, wow, he really, really, really believes in me. And he even says that he's like, I don't name young kids captains, you know, all the time. Like, this is not a very common thing. So, you know, I tried to embrace it. It was a struggle at first, for sure, trying to like lead girls older than me and coming into my own kind of leadership role. You know, I was, I always thought I was the kind of kid that was like, I'm going to lead by example. And like realizing that, you know, I'm at the collegiate level, I'm at the top, I'm at a really good uh, lacrosse program, I'm going to need to use my voice sooner or later. So it was, it was tough, honestly, finding a balance within being a vocal leader and a leader who like leads by example. And honestly, I totally get that. You know, I was also a captain my junior year and it is a weird dynamic. You don't want to necessarily be, you know, using your voc like your vocality too much to people who are older than you. So I understand that balance, but um, you know, I'm happy that you figured it out. And at the end of the day, right. I think Joe Spelina had, had a point and a reason for doing that because now as a senior, you're a more experienced leader. So I think that's the trade-off. But, you know, again, in, in just kind of continuing on, I don't talk too much about 2020 anymore at this point. I know how we all feel about it. But being at Syracuse, I have to ask, what was that like? Because that seemed 2020, that year for you guys. Again, your record 2020 was, do you four, know? Four and one, right? It was something in the, realm, in the realm of that. But I know that you got that, that you know, you only uh, had one loss and, I know that you won to Syracuse, you know, Stony Brook's always somewhere in that top 10, sometimes even in the top five, but that was a moment where it was like, Hey, now this is somebody to keep in the conversation for a national championship in 2020. So tell us about, about that, that game and that excitement and feeling beating Syracuse in their own house. Honestly, like that game is what made the like canceling of the season, like hurt the most. Because it was like, look what we did. Like, we had this awesome game. We had this awesome memory. And now the season's just done. Like, that was like an extra twist of the knife that was already like right in our gut. Like, we're like, oh my God. But it was, it's a crazy place to play the dome. They definitely have home field advantage. It is insane. Um, it's a beautiful place. But being able to win there and like we were preseason ranked 12th I think and they were maybe four yep you're 12th I'm looking at it right now so we were going in there like all right well whatever happens happens like let's at least keep it close and I'm pretty sure we went on like a nine goal run and I'm not even kidding like my whole body during that experience I literally couldn't feel it could not <laughs> feel it <laughs> out of body experience actually though I'm like Rewatching, you know, we have so many highlights of it, and it was truly like one of those games that I'll never forget. And I'm happy that, you know, I got to experience it, but it's also bittersweet that at the end of the day, like the 2020 season is just scratched. But I'll always take that with me. And no one can take it away from you. And, and for anyone who doesn't know, that was, you know, that was Stony Brook's second game of the season coming off of a win against Canisius. You only, you know, you won that game 17-16. It truly was a nail biter until the end. I remember watching it. But the bottom line is I, I know that that's like something that you'll be able to take with you, um, you know, forever. And I, I think that's really cool, even though the season was a wash, kind of a bummer, but 
we're all over it at this point. We're moving on to bigger and better things. And right now that's the 2021 season. So, you know, the other thing I want to ask as far as 2021 is concerned was, you know, why was it so easy for you to come back? I know that everybody had this different journey. And I saw a cool quote that Spelina said, where he said, you know, all players need closure. That's the biggest thing. How do you want it to be? Are you content with the way it ended? Or do you need that finality? You know, and I know for some of your teammates, it wasn't as easy. You know, there were some of your teammates who were a little bit on the fence about, should we come back? Should we not? But I think with you, you knew from the beginning. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Literally that day. I mean, the way our, like, we found out our season was ended is, it was kind of crazy. We're all, our athletic director was just holding a meeting um, in our arena to let us know that the season was going to be postponed, like America East wise, like our conference was just going to postpone for a little bit. And that was going to be it. Then we're going to move on with our lives. But as he was telling us that he was handed a phone and it was the tweet that the NCAA had sent out saying like, Hey, spring uh, championships done. Everyone pack up your stuff. Uh, and that's it. And I remember him telling us that and it dead silent. Our gym full of student athletes just, completely silent and then I remember just like my teammates next to me crying and it was all like that and like my way of handling stuff that goes wrong sometimes is to make like a lighter situation of it and I remember talking to Spina being like I'm coming back like I'm coming back I can't I'm coming back like I can't this isn't it like I'm coming back don't worry like I'll be a fifth year and like as much of it like was a joke like it was serious because I could not let that be like we were doing so well I was not going to be okay with stopping at five games in the 2021 season looks different with like testing and masks and no fans at some places like I would still make that same decision with all these circumstances like again and it was easy for me because I didn't have a job lined up I was hoping <laughs> that always makes it easier. I was hoping lacrosse was going to be my job for a little bit, uh, you know, with like Team USA and like maybe the WPL or whatever. But it was definitely an easy choice for multiple reasons, but not having a job was definitely one of them. That's hilarious. Like, <laughs> look, I know I'm coming back either way because I'm one of the most dedicated student athletes in the entire country. But on top of that, I have nothing else going on right now. So like, I'll see you next year. And Joe's Belina is like, that sounds good. We'll talk. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, but, um, you know, and again, like that all worked out really well. 2021 season. You guys have a nine and two record so far. Not bad. Only seems you lost to our UNC and Syracuse. Not as lucky this time around, but you know, I'm sure there will be a chance for redemption. And I'm just wondering, you know, where, where do you think that you guys stand right now? Where is, you know, we're about, about, I would say not even midway through the season, probably more than that at this point. Um, you know, where is the team's mentality at? How are you guys feeling? I think we're feeling really great. You know, we're told every day that we, we have not, I don't even think scratched the surface of our potential because we have so many young girls that we're relying on that I know from personal experience, like as far, like as, the season goes on like the better and like more confident these girls will become so you know going down into NCAA playoffs like conference championships that they're going to step up in a big way and you know hopefully like when that time comes you know you rely on your best players and hopefully 
these girls are ready to step up and I know that we have shown flashes of greatness and we've also shown you know our weaknesses as as does every team and I know that the more the season goes on the more great things we'll start to do and I think we know that as a team that we could do so much better than we're doing and we have the the will and determination to want to be a final four team the first final four team in program history and I think we have the group of kids to do that and I'm I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to, I'm not wishing away my season, but I'm looking forward to, you know, the start of May and hopefully the end of May. Honestly, me too, but I will also not wish that away. <laughs> and I'm personally hoping that Syracuse makes it to only so that I can also be there with immediate credential, but I'm hoping to see you there too. Um, and let me ask you one hard question. You know, I think a lot of the times people talk about this in-season competition and I have heard Syracuse and Gary Gate talk a lot about if you want to be the best, you have to play against the best. That's why we're in the ACC and we play against all the hardest teams all year. Again, not something in your control, but not being in that ACC group of teams. Where does that leave you? And is that something that the team talks about is the level of competition you face during the regular season? Yeah, when so our non-conference schedule is usually super tough. Like we look to play the teams that are the best because we don't get that in conference. And it is challenging when we go into this like a little bit past the middle of the season where we're just playing conference games and it is it does take like a mental toll a little bit because it's it's challenging for girls to like want to get up and be like let's go like it's not like a huge game mentality kind of thing and it if I think that you know we play the best people that we're going to play in practice like we compete hard in practice like Spelina designs practices to be challenging to you know make those in-game situations make it intense challenge us in, challenge us in ways that we know we're gonna like be challenged in the playoffs and everything he puts us in situations to force us to be uncomfortable he you know makes like rises the stakes makes it really really hard really difficult so when we go into that conference play at that energy high and are ready to, you know, be battle tested when it comes to playoffs. Sure. And here's just a random question for you to end it off. Did you happen to watch the UNC Notre Dame game? I did. I was screaming at the TV. <laughs> I was not okay. Oh I was God. unwell. And I just have to know your thoughts on that. That was outrageous. It was, it really reminded me a lot of the, our BC, Stony Brook game my sophomore year because it was pouring rain like we were it was a battle even though that game didn't go uh, the UNC Notre Dame didn't go into overtime I could not take my eyes off the screen like I was glued to the screen and I was impressed by both sides I thought um Bridget Dehan right that's her name the goalie of Notre Dame yes way crazy Jamie Ortega always has an amazing game I was like, I think the rain played a factor in both sides, but I was, that was probably, I wouldn't say one of the greatest games, but I was, I was mesmerized. And I hope that that like games like that are the reason why women's lacrosse gets like in the public's eye more because they are so fun to watch. I absolutely agree. It was one of the funnest games, I've, most fun games I've ever watched. And, you know, to see, of course, UNC, did come out with that victory in the end, 11 to 10 against Notre Dame, but that's the closest any team has come so far by a lot, honestly. 
um, to beating the number one team in the country right now, which is UNC. That's who it has been the whole year. So just one of those challenges that everybody is going to have to get through. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, outside of that, Allie, I only have one thing left for you. It's something I always do at the end of every episode. It's called 90 second shot clock. It's just a way for people to get to know more about you. Some things just have nothing to do with lacrosse. I like to make some of your questions about Long Island since you're from there and it's fun. Um, but yeah, we'll do that right now. I'm going to put 90 seconds on the clock and I'll just ask you a bunch of questions. That does that sound okay? Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> nah, nah, no need, but all right. Uh, we will get started. So first question, how do you drink your coffee? Um, with iced with hazelnut creamer. Three favorite things about Long Island. Beaches, bagels, and pizza. I bet you so many people say that. I mean, who doesn't? Favorite type of bagel? Egg bagel. Best friend from high school? Barbara Orsini, the heel- who I heal around with. That was oh, her. Oh, okay. What are, your pres- what are you pursuing after graduation? Um, I would like to, well, I've got, I got my coaching certificate here at Stony Brook, so maybe a coaching position somewhere. Are you going to stay on Long Island? Yes, I would love to. Good TV show you watched recently. Um, I'm like into the, the Marvel universe. So like the, uh, the WandaVision show was pretty good. My boyfriend loves it. So I was like forced to watch it. (laughs) You got on board. Funniest person on your team. Probably Kelsey Lenegro. Who's a person on your team who has improved the most since last year? Oh my God. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Sydney Gagnon. Nice. <laughs> All right. Last question. Who is the hardest opponent that you are going to face this year? I'll give it to Syracuse. All right. Okay. I was waiting for somebody to not pick UNC. I will take that answer. No, that's awesome. But seriously, Allie, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Really enjoyed having you. And on behalf of all of us at Six Side High, I really do wish you good luck this season. And I'm hoping that me and you will both be at the final four this year. Me too. Thank you so much, Sam. This is awesome. All right. We'll talk.